what is my favorite place to eat out? Mexican food. Mexican food? Well, hey guys, my name's Josiah O'Neill, and this is my wife. Lindsay O'Neill. Lindsay. Uh, welcome to our first episode of Marriage Mondays, A Sacred Union. Uh, our real goal in this was just to, to share with any of you out there who may have questions or maybe you're struggling or maybe you're not. It's just good accountability. Our, our vision here is to share a biblical perspective as a younger couple uh, on what marriage is and what the roles are of a husband and, and a father and a wife and a mother. And uh, we're just going to kind of relax with this and um, share our hearts and what we've learned over the years. So we, we've been married for 15 years. Um, almost 15 years and uh, we've had an interesting you know uh, episode here of we've moved all over the country we've uh, mainly because I, I worked for you know the, the US government at one point I was in law enforcement um, I ran for Congress we have all this stuff that we went through and just we'd like to share how we've learned to rely more on the Lord instead of ourselves because um, you know it wasn't always wonderful we 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 had a rough you know when it we first got married, it was always wonderful. Yeah. Um, so our, our, our uh, vision here is definitely to share biblical truth uh, in, in, through the lens of marriage. And hopefully this is, encourages whoever needs to hear this. Um, we also, very excited, have taken questions throughout the week. So we have a bunch today that we'd like to answer. If we, if we don't get to every single question, we'll, we'll bring it up next week. But uh, I thought it was really cool that people submitted uh, questions online. We'll continue to do that. If you follow us on Defining Truth on Instagram, um, you can watch this podcast on YouTube and listen to it on any podcast platform. But uh, definitely give us a follow on social media because we'll always post the link for questions. Lindsay, what's the name of the Instagram that you started? For specifically for Marriage Mondays? Um, underscore marriage underscore Mondays underscore. Okay, well, if you don't remember that, because I already forgot, <laughs> you can... Um, a, lot of, a lot of the t titles were taken. So. I know. Um, we'll, we'll link uh, from our Defining Truth socials, we'll link the marriage uh, content so you guys can follow along with us. So, um, First off, before we get into an intro on who we are and how Lindsay and I met and whatnot, I'd like to start with what God's definition of marriage is. And uh, Lindsay, I think you have a, a verse for us, yeah? Sure. So in the very beginning, when um, God was creating the world and everything in it, uh, this is what he had to say about marriage. Uh, Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Uh, I love that because what we're establishing right off the bat here, especially amidst the culture war, is that marriage is an institution that is one, sacred to the believer, two, it's God's uh, invention. God designed marriage very purposefully. In fact, um, we're working on a, on, a, on a second book right now with Defining Truth that is titled Why It Matters. We'll talk more about that later, but our first chapter is about marriage. And it's been really fascinating to dig into this topic. Um, I wanted to read something here from, uh, from the book that um, we see that the author of marriage himself outlines here in Genesis the basis for what constitutes a marriage. It's unequivocally one man and one woman. And if that wasn't clear enough, you actually see Jesus himself regarding marriage in Matthew chapter 19, four through six. Uh, and I quote, and this is Jesus. He said, and he answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. And what therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. I like the ending of that where it says, let not man separate, because um, it's like this warning, right? We, we, I, we view it in two levels. Obviously, we're talking in the context of marriage, uh, and, and as believers, we do not believe we should avoid divorce at all cost, right? Um, but I also see this really applied in our culture today. As the world begins to tear down what marriage is and tries to redefine it and whatnot, and here you have this, this uh, sobering warning from Jesus who, you know, he's kind of telling you, hey, God put this together. God created this institution. Don't mess with it. Really, really interesting. Um, 
I believe, uh, you know, we can kind of summarize this here in that marriage is an institution created by God for the glory of his Godhead and exemplary of his relationship with his church. So marriage turns out goes a lot deeper than just what you feel like. There's a, there's a role that it plays in society. Uh, so we'll get into that more, but Lindsay, why don't we start with um, how we met and who we are. Who am I? How we met. Let's start there. Okay. Yeah. You, you go and then I'll, I'll chime in with little truth bombs. Okay. <laughs> so after graduating high school, I went to Calvary Chapel Bible College um, mm. in 2002. And I met Josiah, I don't know, he was probably playing the guitar or riding his skateboard somewhere across campus in his um, lambskin shoes. Lambskin shoes. Let's just his, clarify that she just said that. And his puka shell necklaces. Pukas, man. It was all the rage in the late But he was, he was just a friend. Um, and we hung out a lot. We would play chess in the coffee shop and... He would play the guitar, and we just had a really fun time hanging out together. As friends. As friends. Clearly, that's what Lindsay as thought it was. Only as friends. I did not. <laughs> so we had been hanging out for a little while, and Josiah decided that he wanted to sit me down right next to the lake and confess his undying love for me. And I told him that I was not there for that. I was there to study the <laughs> word of God and focus on him. But really, I just wasn't interested in him at the time. True that. To be fair, though, at that time, Josiah had not matured or grown into the man that he is today. Yeah. Um, he was so, a lot shorter. A little boy. And so a little I, short boy. So I told him no. Okay, then, then, then the redemption part of this story, because obviously we're here today. Uh, I, I went off and joined the military and did all kinds of crazy things. And years later, uh, we reconnected when Lindsay sent me an email. And yes. um, right away, we rekindled you know, that friendship that uh, we had. But this time, I was a little bit older, a little wiser. And I, I believe I told you, like, I'm not interested in like, being your friend you know, and chatting till all hours, in, into all hours of the night. I, I still liked her, and I wanted I wanted to move towards marriage. Um, so rather quickly, in a few weeks, I brought that up. Said, you know, I want to get married. I proposed, and um, we didn't get married right away. I proposed quickly, but we waited almost a year, right? Because eight, I was deployed. Eight months. I, I went back to the Middle East, but um, we did get married quick, and uh, now we're coming up on 15 years. 15 years of marriage. Yeah, three kids three beautiful kids and we have been all over the place i mean we have lived in california in virginia i worked in washington dc um pretty wild uh very cool so how long have we been married we just answered that october 4th it will be 15 years is our anniversary um we definitely had a hard couple of first year of marriage first years of marriage yeah um, like Josiah said, he had done all these different jobs. He was traveling back and forth to the Middle East. Um, we were both very young. I was 24. Josiah was 23. Um, so I am older than him also. Um, but uh, it was hard. It was hard to uh, maintain a relationship when he was all the way in Iraq the first year and we only saw each other every few months. And so a lot of things that go along with when you first get married, um, a lot of insecurities, a lot of first year fights and all those different things and different personalities, just different ways that we were raised, different ways, ways that we dealt with conflict. Um, those, we were, were very, very strong. <laughs> we're both very strong individuals. And so that was very difficult when we first got married. We had to learn um, how to show one another how we loved one another and how um, the ways that we would discuss things differently, how we saw things differently. Obviously, when you get married, it's so different because you have two different families really coming together and you have to learn how to coexist with one another. And obviously, as Christians, that was very helpful, um, but, well, it, but yeah. it was definitely, um, we definitely had 
some rough years. Well, I mean, I, I many times I think we said, like, I don't know how people who aren't Christians stay married because, <laughs> I mean, that was the glue that held us together. It was our constantly falling back on what we knew to be true that would sort of rein in those issues. I mean, I know not everybody has the same story, and uh, maybe, you know, not all couples are, you know, fiery A-type personalities, but... <laughs> We we were you know pretty explosive and and eventually you know that can be tamed as you as you mature and and you come into more wisdom, um, but there's no quicker way to find out how selfish you really are than getting married, um, because there's this breaking and we'll we'll get into this in a little bit but marriage you know from a Western culture perspective has become very self-centered it's all about what you want what you desire what you think of that other person. And uh, that's not really the way that God designed marriage. It's more of a submission. It's a choice. Um, I'm sure you've heard, you know, any older, wiser individual will tell you as they reach their 80s and 90s that, you know, what is physical passes away. And love is much more a choice and an action than it is an emotional um, bedrock. What I mean to say is, you know, you may wake up and you, you may not love that person or like them every day when you're married. And the difference, I think, in a worldly perspective is they're driven to please the self. And we see that all throughout culture, but specifically in marriage. Um, if your primary goal is you do you and you take care of you and do what's right for you, your marriage is probably going to fail. Because as especially as Christians, we're, we're not called to be Christians circumstantially. In other words, like, well, I'll be a good husband today if I'm happy and my wife is doing everything that I want her to do. Um, that's not that's not the correct perspective. It's one of submission, both to one another. The husband submits as unto the Lord. Um, and so you learn this, it's this, it's this, this process of being refined and, and stripping the old selfishness away until uh, the two become one, like Jesus said. Um, so I, that again, to reiterate, is definitely a goal of ours to sit here. As a younger couple, I realize that you know, 15 years isn't the longest amount of time. But we want to share how the Lord has sustained our marriage um, and how we're just regular human beings who struggled uh, probably more even than some people and how the Lord uh, and his word is the reason why we have a strong marriage today. Um, so any, do you have anything else on that before we go to the question? No, I was just, I, I mean, I was a, everything that you were saying is so true. And I feel like when you, especially as women, because I think women maybe feel maybe more or our emotions go up and down, um, that when you have that basis of I'm going to look to Jesus for the way that I feel, the way that I serve my husband, the way that I submit to my husband in the fear of the Lord, um, it's so important. You know, we have, Josiah mentioned, like, we we lived crazy tumultuous, like, where different careers, where Josiah was gone so much of the time, where he changed, Deployed. you know, he did yeah. the, um, the State Department, which was difficult. He'd go away for months at a time where we would just be at home, you know, I wouldn't see him for months. Um, we had... Um, major deaths in our family that really rocked, you know, our lives, um, just all kinds of things. And if you just base those things, like Josiah was saying on what is that person doing for me? Or how is my life situation? Um, how are we doing, you know, well enough in this situation to be happy or, or if, I, or if he does this, then I'll be happy. Or if we live here, I'll be happy or all those different things. When really Christ is our joy and being in his word and spending time with him really tempers, um, that in you to where you aren't looking at that other person. You aren't looking at your situation that you just truly can have a peace and a love for your spouse, a true love, not a, a conditional love. Um, when you are rooted and grounded in the word of God and that when you are spending time with the Lord, you know, that's super important because like you said, we did have a lot of ups and downs, not necessarily like interpersonally, but just in general, you know, um, my dad or my dad, my brother passed away. That was very difficult. You know, Josiah moved jobs. Um, that was very difficult. He was away on training often. That was difficult. Josiah's dad passed away. That was difficult. So all these different, I mean, obviously you can apply that to your life, different issues that uh, arguments that we had in marriage, those different things. And when you can come back personally to Jesus, 
and say, okay, Lord, this is what I'm going through, and you can lay those things down at his feet, then he's able to give you that that sacrificial, that agape love towards your spouse that doesn't change based on circumstances and issues and, you know, whatever else you could bring up. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, too, just in listening to you say that, I want to encourage anyone who may be listening that um, this isn't about... Um, Lindsay or I, like we, we would really like to impress that, you know, uh, everyone struggles and it, it's a daily dying to self. So what you'll find, and I remember, you know, in our really early years thinking that, you know, you're just isolated, you're in a box, like no one's ever been married before and they haven't gone through what you've gone through. And as you get out and you talk to people, you realize nothing's new under the sun. It's all been done before. God knows exactly where you're at, who you are. I mean, he formed you in your mother's womb, so he knows every intricacy, every detail about you and your life and the way you feel and the way that you behave. Um, and really what the Lord does not require of, you know, of us is, is this like religious, legalistic pursuit of what he requires is to understand who you really are in light of the Lord. That humble breaking of I'm deserving of nothing because all men have fallen short. We live by grace. And um, you should then in turn, and I guess I can speak to the husbands here, you need to remember who you are and how much you've been forgiven and always regurgitate that back towards your family, especially your wife. Well, um, <clears throat> and well, I, I mean, that really goes towards wives. I think that, I mean, I don't know, I guess, again, this is my own personal opinion, but I think that wives more often can hold grudges or can become bitter or have these issues, you know, with their spouse. Oh, they're not doing this. They're not fulfilling that role. But if you extend that grace that God has given to you, which is abundant and never ending, that you can be gracious to your spouse in those things, that you can have forgiveness for those trivial things, you know, that we get frustrated with. Um, you hear so often online, right? That's like a big thing on Instagram is to kind of like, my husband is so stupid, you know? And <laughs> I can say that. But really, it's like men are dumb or husbands are, you know, they're they don't do anything around the house or they're, you know, all these 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 ideas that culture impresses on us to put our husbands down or, um, you know, whatever. And I think that it's very important as wives to stay tethered to the Lord and to extend that grace and that mercy, because it is very easy. And I think that comes from the fall from Genesis, where that the wife that God said that you will have a desire to rule over your husband. I mean, that's literally in the fall. And so with our fallen nature, our sinful nature, that is a desire for wives. And so we have to stay grounded. We have to stay um, close to the Lord so that we can be gracious and merciful and forgiving. And like Josiah said, like what we, ha we have been forgiven so much. So to not extend that grace to specifically your husband is is sinful yeah it's really wrong i mean the bible has a lot to say about that right the parable of the wicked servant the even the way that jesus taught us to pray that we would forgive others as we have been forgiven i i think uh very heavily throughout scripture we see that god wants us to really understand to to check ourselves to understand who you really are in light of the creator himself um and we are really not to consider others um beneath us but to esteem others above ourselves and First and foremost, that starts in, in your home with your spouse. Um, so let's let's get into one question here. Um, like I said, we may not get to all of them, but we'll try to get through some of these. So uh, people submitted questions online. They were anonymous. Um, one of them here, do you remember, Lindsay, the exact wording of that question? Number one. Mm -hmm. That's right up here. Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. So the question was in regards to... Let's see. I think physical appearance. It says, <laughs> it says, uh, how do I love myself and love beyond looks? How do I love myself and love beyond looks? That's the question. So you want to start on that? Sure. Well, I just, when I was praying over that um, this morning and yesterday when we were looking at the questions, and I thought of just some verses, and this is very near and dear to my heart. And I think as a woman, I'm, I'm sure men struggle with these things too, um, to love yourself beyond the way that you look. Um, but I thought of Ephesians uh, verses two, eight, and nine, more specifically verse nine, where it talks about that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. 
and that that I love this and probably a lot of people have heard this but that that workmanship is the Greek word poema which means literally where we derive the word poem from and I think that's so beautiful because you are God's perfect work of art you know that he created and he made you and and I have daughters um, and I you know, have to say this to myself too, but just that, that God made you perfect exactly how you are, that everything about you is, is purposeful for his glory, that he should use those things, um, you know, that you have, um, for his glory. I think I said that twice. And then I also thought of, um, I believe it's first Samuel 16, nine. Well, let me read Ephesians first, uh, directly just for, for reference, if you're listening, um, and again, the question was related to uh, appearance, looks, uh, the outward perspective. So, you know, inwardly, we're, we're, we're far from perfect, and that's why we need Jesus, and we work towards that daily. But um, the focus constantly should not be on the outward. This life is, is um, passing. Looks are fleeting. Uh, our hope as believers is in Christ and the eternal, not, not uh, you know, what you happen to look like when you wake up in the morning. That verse uh, Lindsay was referring to is in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 9. Let me just read it. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, really, the, the idea here is, again, it's, constant, it's a constant battle against the self. Um, I think that we are very quickly uh, entrapped. We fall into uh, a wrong way of thinking. And the Bible is, is a great source to correct your thinking, to reset your focus and your perspective. And, and really, when, when we begin to focus on the physical, whether that's uh, physical appearance, an ailment, a disease, a sickness, you, you name it, the Bible is very clear that we should realign our focus here and say, hey, these things don't matter as much as you think. What matters more is that you understand that you've been saved by grace and how are you then living out that grace in your life toward others? Um, after all, we know that Jesus himself, we talked about the greatest commandments as the, as the, the Jews wanted to know, well, what's the biggest commandment we need to pay attention to? What's the most we can do? And his answer was, was very specific. You, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. Really what that is, is understanding who you are in light of God. And then your entire life is then reflecting that belief out towards others, especially in your marriage. So, you know, from an external perspective, I would say um, our mind should be changing more towards what are you doing for others and less on ourselves. And I think that's, I think that's obviously all good. And, and I agree 100%. And I just think that for women, it is more difficult. I think in culture, they put such a emphasis on the way that you look or how thin you are or if you have this or have you that and then you know plastic surgery is a huge thing and all these different things to change how you look and to be dissatisfied with who you are and so I think it's important to you know it might seem cliche to like throw verses but really it's so true because when you put that perspective in a right way when you are truly focusing on the important things in life and to know that I, I really loved first John two seventeen this morning. I looked that up and it said that the world is passing away. And I thought it's so true mm. because your looks, even though it is difficult, especially like we live in Southern California. So that's a huge like emphasis on what you look like, what you wear, you know, all these different things, but it's just, it's not important. And it's such a way for, the enemy to get your eyes off of the important thing, which is serving the Lord, which God does not look as it says in first Samuel 16, seven, that God doesn't look at your appearance or your physical outward. You know, he looks at your heart and that's so important. We constantly see that. And Samuel's a great example there because he's talking about the future King David and how man's focus is always on the physical first, the outward, you could say, or the circumstantial. There in, in, in Samuel, it's talking about when, uh, you know, God was going to show who the king would be. And, and Jesse, the father, brings out, you know, all his sons and they're focused on who's the tallest, the strongest, you know, who's the most um, likely to be a warrior, I'm sure, you know. It said that in their high school yearbook. But God, God found uh, David. It was unsuspecting. It was not who 
humans thought would be the answer. Uh, we see this time and time and time again, um, even as the as the you know the people in Israel were looking for the Messiah to this this warrior king to come in on a horse, and Jesus goes into Jerusalem on a donkey. It's it's um, God's plans are often not what we think they are, and that's a really important repeated focus throughout Scripture that. Um, you should constantly be esteeming others above yourself. That includes the physical aspect. I, I agree with you. I think it's hard culturally when there's such a high demand on looks and appearance and whatnot. And I think that you daily, whoever asked this question, I mean, I would assume that this was a woman. I could be wrong. But I would say as a woman, when those thoughts come into your mind of I'm dissatisfied with how I look or I want to love myself beyond how I look, daily, moment to moment, second to second, lay those thoughts at the feet of Jesus and ask him to transform your mind so that you don't view life in that way. You know, don't just every time, every time one of those thoughts pop into your head of, you know, you should be dissatisfied with how you look or look at that person over there. Actually, just, I was talking to the kids last night. I thought this was really cool. Um, he was sharing the commandments with the 10 commandments with the kids thou shalt not covet. And he talked to the girls and he was saying, um, basically like to look at another person, right? And to say, I wish I looked like that person or I wish I had that person's clothing or whatever, whatever that person has, that's that's a, that's sin, right? To covet. And, and that is difficult. And obviously we're not being harsh on that because I think women specifically, obviously I'm sure men do too, um, we struggle with that. We struggle with that a lot and that is difficult. So again, just giving those thoughts to the Lord, coming to the feet of Jesus, casting down those things that the enemy can use um, to discourage you or to uh, cause you to be um, ineffective for the kingdom of God. Well, and because the human heart is desperately wicked. So it really does take a continual surrender every day. Being a Christian and a follower of Jesus requires discipline. You have to bring every thought captive. Uh, you know, speaking to the men, you have to constantly surrender to the Lord every day. And the primary way you, you do that and you keep your mind in the right place is staying in the Word of God. If you go one day, two days without reading your Bible, you will see the effects in your marriage. It changes your perspective on everything, the way that you respond, the way you answer your wife, the way you treat your children, even the way that you behave in the workplace, wherever that may be. So. Um, again, we'd like to impress that we're not perfect. We're sharing with you, um, you know, the, the, I guess the path to success is to realize first and foremost that you are lost. You, you are not going to do this on your own. There is no magical recipe for overcoming the sin nature. It's only by Christ and by his word. And, you know, thankfully, we do have grace. God, God does forgive us and work, and, and you can always come back to, to the Lord and, and, and say, hey, I need to get back on track in whatever situation that is. But we don't sin that grace may abound. So we don't take advantage of, of God's grace and mercy. We need to strive at least or try to be holy, separate from this world. And, um, it, it, and marriage. That's not, that's not sinful, though, to be like to struggle with. No. I mean, okay, it can be obviously, but In, well, indulging right, the indulging sin, those thoughts. Right. But just that that is But a to struggle. struggle is to be human. Right. And we all have. And honestly, that's how we that's how I can speak to those things because of course, you know, you can compare everybody does that. You compare yourself. And so, you know, um anyways, that's that that's how we can share those things like Josiah said because we have been through these things. Oh, and the next question well, to, to summarize that first question, so when it comes to outward appearance and the physical, I, I really just would say, you know, keep, keep your eyes on Jesus. Sure. Get, get in the word and you, you will begin to focus less and less on yourself and more and more on the Lord and what you can do for others around you. That's the correct perspective. It really is. The next one we've never dealt with, ever. <laughs> question number two. I'm going to read this verbatim. Okay. How does a strong-willed, independent wife learn to be respectful of her husband and not make him feel like she's being critical of him all the time. Okay, I'm gonna let Lindsay answer this from a woman's perspective, but I have plenty to say for, for the guys here. You're not off the hook. I I don't know how, I've never, I'm not um, strong-willed or independent, right? <laughs> <laughs> we can't lie to people on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I I definitely, um, like we said earlier, I am extremely um, independent just naturally that I, you know, I, I can do 
anything I want on my own, right? Like I just, I, I enjoy being independent. I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily, obviously, unless it causes, um, again, like sin in your life when you're being disrespectful to your husband. But that definitely is something that we have um, dealt with in our marriage. Um, that is something that definitely that I always have to give to the Lord and not be, um, not given to my flesh because I am very strong. I am very independent. Um, and so it is important, um, to be respectful of your husband. And that is something, again, it's kind of like the last question we just had, the imperative of being in the word of God. Like Josiah said, if I am not in the word every single day, if I'm not reading the Bible, if I'm not listening to messages, if I'm not um, spending time with Jesus, praying, laying those thoughts at his feet, then I do very quickly become critical and disrespectful. And um, well, let's let's go to the heart of what that is, too. I mean, what is what is really I mean, that question, what is that drive? And maybe you can share from from a woman's perspective, but. Um, let's talk about the core of that problem, right? And, and as it relates to uh, biblical marriage, w what is it really? What are we talking about that's driving that enmity between uh, husband and wife? Well, I mean, selfishness. I would. I my first um, initial thought would be is being selfish. Is being. Um, and when I say selfish, I mean self-focused. How is everything that he's doing affecting me personally? And so I think that oftentimes in marriage and any relationship, really, um, when somebody does something, right, um, that you think has somehow offended you, right? We'll use a really dumb argument. But like, say I spent the entire day doing the laundry, cleaning the house, and I come into the room and Josiah has thrown his dirty clothes, you know, not in the hamper, but on the side of the bed, right? I can let the enemy, that's never, never happened. Um, or like, you know, brushes their teeth and sprays the mirror with toothpaste and water. But, but the point is, I can take offense to that immediately, right? I can look at that and I can all of a sudden allow the enemy or my flesh to come in and say, oh, he did it on purpose. He knows that I did all these things. And so, you know, now, now, I, now he just, he doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about what I do. He doesn't love me. You know, it, I mean, it can snowball. I'm sure for some women, maybe not everybody. I don't know. There's well, probably some. And it's really the enemy appealing to sure. uh, some core issues that we as humans struggle with. So let's clarify first. The, the biblical perspective on submission as a, as a wife submitting to the husband, the husband submitting to Christ, um, this is not about someone being worth more than another person. Uh, I, I constantly use the analogy, you know, I spent a lot of time working for, for the government, whether it was in the military or in law enforcement. Um, a, a lot of, uh, most organizations that deal with austere environments, hard environments, things like combat operations or law enforcement work, um, if you've noticed, most of them are paramilitary organizations, uh, and that's not by accident. It turns out that to navigate really difficult situations, you need command and control. Uh, and there's a reason for organizational structure, uh, just like how we have government and they're designed to punish bad doers and, and keep the rule of law. It doesn't mean that someone in government is worth more than you as an individual, at least they shouldn't have that perspective, but it's how we navigate hard times. When God established marriage, there was an order there. It's based off of our natural proclivities, just like Lindsay read earlier, that it's natural for the woman to want to rule over the husband and usurp that authority. There's a balance and a perfection in how God designed marriages to work. And when each person is fulfilling their role, it works best and you are most happy. I wanted to read in Proverbs 31, which is, um, you know, talks about the godly woman. And, and just for anyone out there who may be like, well, I'm never submitting to a man. And, you know, what a weird concept in modern times. And uh, it, it's not in the way that you think. OK, because let's let's take a look here at this this book of wisdom here in Proverbs and says an excellent wife who can find she's far more precious than jewels. So, so, guys, for a minute, think about this as you're reading this, right? The heart of her husband trusts her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household. You did that last night. I did that. <laughs> and portions her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. 
I mean, I, I would encourage you to go read the rest of the chapter. It's amazing. But what do you, what you see here is this industrious, almost businesswoman who the husband can totally trust. She's running operations. She's uh, dealing with merchants. She's purchasing, you know, food and, and land buys, all this stuff. So it's not this image, you know, this... Um, the false image the world wants you to think that, oh, well, if you submit to your husband, you're just a piece of trash, you're a doormat. It's not true at all, actually. What it is is two people submitting to God's prescribed method of marriage. And believe me, guys, you're not off the hook. The Bible says that you're to treat your wife as Christ treated the church, which is ultimately to sacrifice yourself for her in any way possible. So just like in the military, you have a lieutenant or a captain who's not worth more than his soldiers. Actually, he is to give his life for those soldiers. Uh, his, the whole purpose of his existence is to provide the soldiers everything they need to succeed in combat. So here you have God painting this picture of, of a structure, of an organizational structure, which it turns out actually gives us what we each want the most. Men, you, you, you're driven, you want respect, you want to be honored. Women, you want to be safe and feel comforted and secure in your husband. But each of you have to do those roles in order to get um, the results that you want. Um, trying to unlock this real quick. So again, this was in relation to the question, how does a strong-willed, independent wife learn to be respectful or, of her husband? Uh, you have to do it independent of the husband. Yeah, absolutely. You can't do it based on, again, going back to, because you stopped my story. Sorry. Okay. So we were talking about the coming home and seeing different things and feeling yes. offended, you know? So it's that self-centered thought process of, of thinking they, you know, they're doing this to me or, or this is about me or he did, you know, and it's this whole self, 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 self. How can I be justified? How can I be defended? And really, if you are coming to the Lord and you, like you said, separately going to Jesus and you are learning to submit to one another, like Ephesians says, as unto the Lord. So when I do these things as a very strong-willed independent wife, like Josiah can understand, I am not a, I, I mean, that's just not my personality. I'm not like a quiet, um, I'm not going to share my opinion type person. I'm not. But walking with Jesus can temper you, can cause you to be soft, not in a weak way, but in a, I'm going to submit to my husband because I submit to Christ first. And this is what he's called me to do, you know? And so if you're not spending time with the Lord truly, and you're not laying down those things and, and even recognizing those things, because I think sometimes people can be like, even women in the church or, you know, whatever, they can be serving on Sundays, they can be reading their Bibles, they can be going to church, and they still are wicked in the way that they speak to their husbands and the way that they treat them. Mm. And I think that you truly have to do like a sit down with the Lord and say, God, the, this is sin in my life that I need to deal with. And, and again, all that to say, this is something that I do struggle with because I am an opinionated person naturally in my flesh I do want to kind of be in control you know and so it's not like a some people this comes very easy to um, I saw a, a video today of this old man he was talking he was 93 and he said that his wife his wife had since passed on um, but he said that they never argued never they never argued and I was like that's amazing that is not, not our I. testimony but all that to say is when you are submitted to the Lord, when you are willing to um, have God work in your heart, in those hard areas, to close your mouth, to not speak the first thing that comes to your mind, um, for him to temper those things. Because, again, your submission, your, your willingness to lay down um, your will to another is not because of Josiah. It's not because Josiah is always... Um, accomplishing what he's supposed to be doing. It's not that he's this perfect godly husband all the time. Um, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. But, um, but it's because I love the Lord. It's because I, I seek to please Jesus first. And again, I fail miserably many, many a day. Well, and oftentimes <laughs> the husbands I think contribute or can cause that too. So if I could speak to the, to the men for a minute, um, you got a lot of work to do to discipline your behavior, your focus, your attention. Uh, your your first and foremost ministry is your family. That's your wife and kids. And uh, you have to put work into it. As much work as you put into anything else that you excel at or desire. Your hobbies, your games you watch, 
you know, what you do at work. Um, you cannot neglect your family. And that, that's a difficult balance. So, and, and really, I think the key, the, the, the overarching theme here that we keep seeing is if you stop looking at the other person and turn back and look at what you're supposed to be doing, uh, things will naturally get better because what you're doing is you're surrendering that control to something outside of yourself, mainly the Lord. Um, because obviously it can be very difficult to fulfill our roles for the men to serve your wife and to even lay down your life for her if you're angry or unhappy with how she's acting. But you're not, it's really none of your business. I mean, of course you are to guide and you're supposed to talk and work things out, but you have to be an example first. You have to do what you're supposed to do in Christ uh, and, and really don't focus on the other person. Oftentimes when we sit down, we talk with a couple or you know they each have an issue. If you can get away from focusing on the other person, you'll quickly realize that you got a lot to work on yourself. Uh, what I suggest, I don't know what particular situation some of you may be in out there, but if you have an issue with the other person, with your spouse, guys, if you have an issue with your wife, wife, you have an issue with your husband, I would encourage you to sit down, uh, even, you know, you can type or take a notepad and start jotting down things that you are doing, things that you can control or that you're lacking or deficient in. Go back to the word. Go back to what God wants you to do as a spouse, as a husband or a wife, and then ask yourself, am I doing all of these things? Am I really living the way I'm supposed to? I mean, if you can sit there and say that you're perfect, I guess then you can start focusing on your spouse. But since that's, that's just not true, you can always come back and focus on what you should be doing. Uh, that was a giant hummingbird. He just flew in. That, that was, was cool. so weird. Um, uh, but uh, that's a great little exercise, honestly. And, and, uh, and I think you should do that. Practically. So for a wife, I can speak to this. Practically, I would say when you want to be critical, that you should pause and hold your tongue. I mean, even if you don't feel that way, your silence will keep you from sinning, you know, and that you can go deal with that with the Lord or give that to the Lord. But just practically hold your tongue. You don't have to have a comment for everything. And that is very difficult, but practice that. Um, I would say make sure that you're actively spending time with Jesus every day, every day that you're in the word, whether it's you can listen to audio um, like we do the um, through the word one year through the word um, on our phones, um, sitting down in the morning before everybody else is awake, spending time with Jesus. Um, and then when you do show anger or a critical heart, you need to apologize and you need to ask for forgiveness. You know, that's really important. Um, Josiah is really good at forgiving me. He's very, very quick to forgive. He really is. He's really, I mean, that is literally like, he is just great at it. Um, it's just because I know how messed up I am. So if I apologize, <laughs> yeah, I could just have been the most wicked, mean, quick tempered, yucky person in the whole world. And if I ask for forgiveness, Josiah is so quick to forgive me. And that's, it's such a good, it truly is such a good um, trait to have. <laughs> I am not always good at that. I'm, I try, but it is important to, to lay down your pride and to say, Hey, like I messed up. I was really rude to you. If you do it in front of your children, this is really important too. If you are mm. disrespectful in front of your kids, say, say you lost your temper and you spoke, you know, in a way that was not glorifying to the Lord, ask your children for forgiveness. Hey, mom, mom shouldn't talk this way to dad. It's wrong. And I have to ask daddy for forgiveness. I have to ask the Lord for forgiveness, but I also need to apologize to you guys. You know, I think that's really important because that will teach them how to deal with their future spouses. You know, that we're human. Yeah. We're going to mess up. You're going to argue with your spouse. I mean, except for that 93 year old man, which was amazing. But I mean, like you're going to argue with your spouse. And so ask them for forgiveness. You know, that's a really uh, important point, your children. And I'm sure in, in future uh, podcasts, we'll go into uh, some issues with, with kids and children because you only have a certain amount of time before you start having kids as a married couple and that changes the dynamic. It's like a graduation to you know level two and, and, and you really have to pay attention to your marriage and incorporate the Lord because those are just added stressors. You already have the stress of being two selfish people coming together to become one and uh, then you have you know, outside things like work or money or fi finances, and then now you start adding kids. And what you realize is that 
it, there really is no like pretend gameplay with Christianity. You either are or you're not. And at some point in your life, and man, this is big for you. You have to you have to really sit down and say, am I going to be a Christian or not? Am I going to live? Am I going to follow Jesus or not? Um, you only have a certain amount of time to you know play around, and and that's uh, when it comes to marriage. Um, you have to take your role seriously. And I guess that goes for both, you know, to, to really stay focused on the Lord. Um, you know, I'm sure everyone's heard it, but remember when, when Peter was uh, called out and Jesus calls him out and he's walking on water and, you know, everybody hears, you know, Peter walked on water. But remember what happened is that the storm around him distracted him and he took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. And he was at the point of drowning when Jesus reached out and took his hand and boom, they were, on, uh, they were out of the water. So I, I think that's important to remember in your marriage as well. Uh, I love that, how you said, like, take a step back and stop. I've really had to have learned, learned that over the years to know, uh, guys, you don't have to fix everything in the next 35 minutes. Like, sometimes you yeah. need to just walk away. Yeah. It's true, right? It is true. Not yeah. walk away forever because it's important to pursue your spouse always. You, you need to deal no, with things. No, but you have to, I mean, obviously. You don't want to let the sun go down on your anger, but it's okay to take a deep breath sometimes. Um, oftentimes, not, yeah. uh, well, emotions are so deceiving. That's the problem. So deceiving. You could the go heart of the man other. is desperately wicked. Your, your emotions will convince you of things that just aren't true. You know, in the moment, you'll just be ready to just, you know, explode. Sometimes but, I write text messages out. <laughs> And then I erase them, you know, like instead Seriously. of sending them, because it is yeah. true, you can't take them back. Right. But sometimes you're so frustrated, you know, if you just, if you take a step back, then that's Even a too. fool is counted wise when he doesn't speak. And that's, that's like that. good advice for your marriage as well. I like that. Sometimes just keep it in your face. Um, we can answer. So another one is, do you think planned date nights are important? Well, we don't know. We don't go on them. No, we're just kidding. Um, we don't have, we, we have, my mom lives like an hour away, so it's kind of difficult. Um, and I don't, I don't like leaving my kids with really anybody else. So, yes, it's super fun to do planned date nights, but I think you can like date at home. I think the core of that is important. What's, what's the purpose yeah, yeah, of the date? Because obviously life is different for everybody. And some people are more like plan oriented. I'm definitely not. But we do like date nights. Like we like. But it's important. What's the point of the date night? Right, is spending time together. So even if that's not, fun. if it's in your home, it, there's a time when the kids need to go. They either need to go to yes. bed or they need to go do something else. Yeah. It's important that you have time with your spouse. It is very important, and I know it's difficult with small kids because uh, we have one that's four, and they need you more. Or even you know smaller kids, it is hard because they do need you more. But. Uh, throughout the day, if you're able to get, you know, an hour in when, um, if they work from home or when they come home in the evenings, you know, if you get all the kids in bed, you can spend a few minutes together, um, watching a show or, you know, Josiah will play the guitar and we'll sit and we'll talk. Or sometimes we make, you know, bonfires in our backyard and we play trivia or just like little things like that. That's really fun. So, I mean, I think it's fun, um, when you are afforded the opportunity for a date night, but we don't get those yeah. very often. Well, it's just not the reality for everybody. Everybody's circumstance is different. But I think the point is make time for your spouse. Yes, definitely. Definitely. If you can get a date night, great. You know? Love it. If you have 20 children running around and you can't get away. 20 children. Well, you know, go in the backyard, you know, watch a show together, spend time in the yeah. wood together, whatever. Um, do you want to go and answer the last? Yeah, go two? ahead. Okay. Yeah, let's get through some of the questions. <sighs> we did. <clears throat> we did get through some of the questions. We only have two more. Okay, okay. The last one, or the la one of them says, um, why haven't I met my person? I'm 31. How can I pray for a good husband? Mm. That's, a, that's a tough one, uh, which we hear or see. I'm sure all of us know folks who, you know, are desiring to be in a relationship. This kind of comes back to trusting the Lord and focusing on yourself in this given time. You know, we've mentioned a lot that we traveled a lot because of my work. I went to different departments, different agencies. I, we've lived in who knows how many different houses. Um, and uh, what we've really learned is that you don't always know what the Lord has planned for you. No. Uh, in fact, never. Oftentimes, looking back over the last 20 years, I see that things that happened or circumstances that arose 10 years ago were like extremely instrumental in where I am now. And at the time, maybe I was upset or I didn't understand why is this happening, God? And it turns out that 
he's this master craftsman and he's weaving this story and there's a purpose in all that he does and even in our circumstances. I have a, um, speaking of that, and then you could say, no, I wrote on the inside of my, of my Bible um, this line that your joy is not in circumstances. I have it in big bold ink because I always, always want to remember that uh, our joy is not in circumstances. It, 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 maybe you don't see the purpose in where you're at right now. Maybe you don't understand why you are single at the moment, but uh, we don't understand what the Lord does or is doing. Or, um, our, our, I think the key is to focus on the Lord. Were you going to say something? Well, and he can change it in an instant. You right. could meet someone tomorrow and be married in six months from now. So. You, you don't know. I mean, I would, again, it's kind of like, I mean, it, it's not cliche, but it's the same answer we're going to give to everyone. It's you spending time with the Lord, focusing on the Lord. Um, you know, popular verse that a lot of people's Proverbs three, five, and six, that when you commit your way to the Lord, that he's going to give you the desires of your heart, you know, that you're going to trust in him fully and he will do those things. And so if that's a desire of your heart, then obviously, you know, you should be praying about that. You should be praying for your future husband. You should be praying that they are, um, walking with the Lord that, you know, or, or I mean, honestly, I mean, even in our instance, I was young. I was very young. I was only 24, but I really, truly desired to have a husband. And I was praying and praying and praying, Lord, I want to meet my husband. I want to meet my husband. So maybe not right at 24, but before that, so 22, 23. And Josiah was going through a hard time. He was in the military. He had walked away from the Lord for a, a period of time, and he was not ready at that point. God needed to work in his life. And so Sometimes we think, well, I'm ready. I'm doing these things. You know, I was serving in a church. I was helping with the junior high ministry. I was, you know, on all accounts, I was ready for my spouse. Yeah. And Josiah needed to be worked on. The Lord needed to be working in his life. And so God's timing is perfect. And if that is your desire, you should be praying for your spouse. You should be praying specific things for your spouse. God answered so many prayers for me. And, you know, honestly, things that I prayed for, were not things that Josiah had, right? Like, I mean, sometimes we think we need something and then God's like, oh no, I have something better for you. So I would say overall, be praying for your spouse. I would say for spiritual things, not necessarily like, dear Lord, I would like a, you know, I don't know. A seven foot. A seven foot, no. But you know, maybe not specific, man. yeah. I want blue eyes or whatever. I want brown eyes. I want this or that. Because really the answer is you don't know what you want. You don't know what and, you want. And as the longer, the longer you, you live and, the, and as you grow and mature in your walk with the Lord, you'll realize that we have no idea what we want, where we're going, how we're going to get there. Right. There's a reason why Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. It's one step at a time. We cannot comprehend the infinite, vast expanse of time and God doesn't even work within time. He's outside of time. And it, it really comes back to trust. Uh, when you focus on the Lord, you know, that verse you just mentioned about giving you the desire of your heart, really what it's, what it's saying is that your desires will be God's desires right. and that's where you will most be satisfied. Right. Um, it's not about getting what you want. It's what you need. That That's how God operates. But the cool thing is that he loves us and he wants good things for us. So oftentimes, He'll place desires in you if, if we're on track with him, right? If your focus is on Jesus primarily, your desires will be things that he wants and, and that you need. So that, that really aligns. And sometimes you're, you're in a desert period, you know? Moses went out in the desert for a long time before. Hopefully it's not that long. And I yeah. did pray for you when I read your question, because I do hope that if that's your desire, that the Lord would bring you someone and that he would bless you. And so I definitely, when we got that message, I definitely, definitely prayed for a lot of you guys. I said definitely so many times, but I did. I was praying for that specifically. These for questions you. that so came in. Yeah. Last one we're going to end on is kind of a little heavier. Um, we'll kind of give our best opinions in the word of God. And then, um, and then we'll do, I want to do a fun thing at the end. Okay. Okay. Um, so the last question is I've caught my husband lying about drinking on work trips a few times. He says it's because I nag him that I think it's necessary to be in bars until closing at night, especially with female coworkers. He does not see my concern that I think they are too comfortable with him and then add in the alcohol. What should I do? Well, right off the bat, as a husband, you should never be lying to your wife. 
Uh, that's that's a like key element of trust. And maybe you're not in that place where where you know you guys do that, but you need to get there. Um, I'll let Lindsay answer for the wife, but for the man, uh, you gotta you gotta. I mean, everything that we've been saying here, at some point you have to decide, are, are you going to be a man? Are you going to be a husband? You got to ante up and kick in. It, it's, there's a time in your life where you can't be a little boy anymore. You need to grow up. And uh, obviously this is, it's, it's difficult, you know, to convey the biblical perspective to someone who's not a Christian because, you know, obviously you're... Well, you don't know, we don't know the situation. First and foremost, I would say, if, if you're not a believer, like do that ASAP, you know, get right with Jesus. Cause you never know when your time is coming. Um, but, uh, you know, listen, oftentimes I see guys getting caught up in emotions and the, the fleeting pursuits of this world. And what they fail to realize is that you're not getting any younger, you're getting older and, uh, you're going to die some someday soon. And the truth is that the only thing that really matters in, in, in the physical side on this life is what the Lord has given you and entrusted you with. The only one around you at the end is gonna be your family, your wife, your kids. I can't tell you, especially in the industry that I came from, in the military and law enforcement, how easily men are distracted by the pursuit of you know, the glory of the job or whatever it is. And their wives and families really become secondary, almost to the point where there's this huge disconnect where maybe this guy's thinking, well, I don't see the problem. Well, I just wanna go party and go hang out with coworkers. Um, those those guys and we all know you know usually end up destroying their families. Uh, just being real with you guys, you got You got to sit. You got to sit down at one point and say, what's my priority here? Is it work? Is it playtime? Is it hobbies? Or is it my wife and family? And whether you whether you like what they're saying or not, you have to prioritize your family. And I will tell you straight up, you can't do that outside of the Lord. That's a supernatural enabling. Um, especially if you're struggling, you, you have to make God the center of your life. And those changes will naturally come. If you spend time in the word, pursuing God and his righteousness and, and the way that he wants you to act and live as a husband, things will begin to align. Even, even like, like we keep repeating, focus on yourself and things that you may have issues with your spouse will begin to align. Um, a lot of it is, is redundant, right? It's like you talk to a couple and you'll say, well, I do this because she does this. And then she'll be like, well, I do that because he does this. And it's this vicious cycle. Both of them need to stop, get back to the Lord and get themselves on track. If you can honestly stand there and say, I am on track, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, we'll have another conversation. But more, more, more often than not, men have a whole a litany of things that they're not doing correctly, that they're not doing right, they're not paying attention to, they're not manning up. And um, then you have all these residual problems. So uh, on, a, on a most basic practical level to answer that question, you, you need to go home and spend time with your wife more than uh, being out at a bar with coworkers. Um, but also you need to sit down and figure out what's, what's really the core of this problem. Like what's going on between you and your wife? And obviously it's hard to tell because we don't well, know what's behind that question. But. We don't know the situation. We don't know what's going on with your family. I don't know. Um, are you both actively walking with the Lord? Are you not? So that, I mean, that changes a lot. So we talked about this earlier. We would encourage if you are involved with a church that you would go seek counsel, maybe together, um, with a pastor, someone who's trained to meet with you so that you can have, you know, not just a question because it's, it is hard. It's so hard when you don't know the circumstances. So, I mean, what I would say as a wife, um, I would go to your husband and I would sit down and instead of the offhanded one comment here or there, putting him down, you know, things like that, I would sit him down and say, this is why it's bothering me. This is why I think maybe it's not wise. Uh, the times that I've come to Josiah, not like with stuff like that, but where I can come humbly with, without like attacking him, um, he receives it a lot better. You know, if I, if I come to him with like a, like a, a softer heart, um, and not like a condemning, you know, spirit, he's receiving a lot better from me. Um, but again, we don't know the situation. So, that, that's what I would say. I would go, I would pray about it. I would pray over him. And then, you know, if he's like, Hey, I don't think what you're tied on agree with you, then you know what, then you need to pray for him. You need to literally give that to the Lord. You need to say, Lord, um, these are things that, you know, you can pray as a wife that you would expose those things in his life. That is there, if there is sin that he's doing, that God would expose that openly, that God would cause him 
to uh, come back to him if he's not walking with the Lord. So again, it is so difficult, I think, to give a specific answer, obviously. Um, but you guys need to deal with that together. If he's unwilling to listen, I would say go to a pastor um, or a counselor so that you can have that, you know, third party kind of from an outside perspective, outside of the hurt and the frustrations and the anger and things like that. And kind of Especially because obviously there's more to uh, the story yes, or a right. question like that. I mean, I would say, you know, again, to reiterate this point, human beings will always let you down, always. And it's very important that your relationship with God is not established on a person, that uh, not on a pastor, a teacher, uh, uh, you know, a podcast you listen to, uh, or your spouse. Your relationship with the Lord, your connection to reality around you has to be based in the Word of God and your understanding of who you are in light of God's righteousness. That's very important for each one to understand. Because what, no matter the circumstance, sometimes it's the wife you know, that we'll hear is off doing something she shouldn't. A lot of times it's the husband doing something that he shouldn't. And ultimately, we have free will. People will let you down, almost always. And it's important that's, that that's you're- That's the point, right? Yeah. That's why we need Jesus. That's why you need Jesus, because you gotta come back to it. I wanted to read a segment here, um, again, from, from the book. Um, this is uh, in reference to, to doing marriage the way that we're supposed to, right? So having the husband and the wife coming back to, what does the Bible say I should be doing? Um, and just wanted to read this section here in the first chapter. To be clear, every commandment laid out by our creator is intentional and for the purpose of our benefit. So, you know, God's way of doing marriage is not arbitrary. He doesn't say you should live this way just because. It's because he loves you. And he knows that that is where you'll be most happy when you're living a godly way, when you're giving him glory. God, as the Bible clearly outlines, is a God of love. He is, in fact, the very definition of love. And so his desire for all mankind is that we should come to the saving knowledge of him, first and foremost, and live our lives obediently to his glory. The benefit for us is that in that very obedience, we find our true happiness. Joy, as understood by the Christian, is not circumstantial in any way but rather solidly based in the comprehension of the eternal. Life is but a shadow, and eternity is our reward. Guys, a lot of this stuff or questions that you may have, uh, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, they don't really matter that much. And, and you know, God is co constantly trying to get you to focus on things above. Um, get yourself right with Jesus first and foremost, and everything else will fall into place. And that's the purpose, hopefully, that you will gather from this podcast. And that's what our desire is, is to always be Christ-centered, to always point you back to Jesus and his word, because that is literally the only thing in this life that is worth pursuing. Absolutely. Right? Well, I think let's, uh, let's pray and wrap it up for today. And then um, hopefully... We get some good feedback, and you guys are back next week for another Marriage Monday, a sacred union. Uh, you want to pray? Sure. I can pray. What, what would you like me to do? Um, I'll pray. That's fine. All right. Oh. Oh, sorry. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your instruction guide and how your word clearly provides everything that we need in this life. This, this manual you've given us, this revelation that you've provided us, this insight into your character and who you are and how we are to conduct ourselves and obey. I just pray, Lord, that it would sink deep into whoever needs to hear this today, ourselves included, into their hearts and minds, and that we would always remember to keep our eyes on Jesus in our marriage. Mm -hmm. And that um, difficult things happen, and thankfully we have the Holy Spirit who helps us and uh, guides us to navigate the the many issues that life brings, but uh, let none of us in a confrontation or incident say that we're not right with the Lord or we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. So I pray, Lord, that you would bless uh, this, um, this effort, Lord, to come to you. And for any couples out there and people who may have had questions or are maybe going through something, I just pray that you would uh, just uh, bring them to you, Father, draw them to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, last thing. Go. Okay, ready? Yes. If, what is my favorite place to eat out? Mexican food? Mexican food? Yeah, that's true. I do like Mexican food. What were you thinking? Mexican food. 
But were you not, though? <laughs> no, I like Mexican food. You try to trap me like this on a podcast. <laughs> You're so dumb. Indian food? I mean, we're kind of foodies. We eat. I do like Indian food. We love all kinds of food. I just love eating. That's true. Where was our first date? Where Taco was... Bell. Taco Bell. What's my favorite thing to order at Taco Bell? Actually, like, what do I always get? A bean and cheese burrito with no onions. And? And what? Extra red sauce? Yeah. Extra red sauce. We'll see you guys next week.